0: You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode being brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Carr. Today is Monday, June 21st, and today on the podcast, we are talking about summer tournaments because a whole bunch of Zags are in training camps right now or just preparing themselves for either FIBA tournaments or the Olympics. So today, we're going to give you the full list of current and also some former Zags to watch out for this summer. Of course, we're also going to reveal the second ranked recruiting class of the Barkview era. And if you've been paying attention the last six weeks or so, you should know who these final two classes are. As a programming note for all of you guys, this week, we are going to have Monday, Wednesday, Thursday episodes. My wife and I are taking a very much needed vacation for a few days this coming weekend. And we're likely going to get back on late Sunday night. So there's not going to be a podcast next Monday morning. So this is the official schedule for the next two weeks. This week is going to be Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Next week is going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Still going to get you guys content three days a week. It's just going to be a little bit more scattered than normal. All right, before we get to summer tournaments and some recruiting rankings, let's hit you with a couple of small pieces of news here. The NBA draft lottery happening tomorrow night. For those of you that want to see which team ends up landing in the top three and will get a chance to drafting Jalen Suggs, the Rockets, the Pistons, and the Magic are all tied for best odds of getting a top three pick. Jalen Sugg's hometown team of Minnesota played really well down the stretch of the season, and they were in the, the one of the worst three teams. They ended up getting the sixth best odds of getting a top three pick. So we'll see what happens tomorrow night. It's doubtful that Minnesota ends up getting a top three pick like it looked like they were earlier this year. Players started arriving to Gonzaga's campus in Spokane. Chet Holmgren came in. He is going to be number 34 next season, and he's the first player to wear number 34 since Bull Kong, uh, Richard Fox, also a notable number 34 from back in the day. Anton Watson, also back in town, along with Drew Timmy. They've been working out back in Texas uh, with a personal trainer for the uh, end of spring, start of summer. Ben Gregg is back in town. He worked out in Portland with Kyle Wiltshire a little bit. So that was exciting to see that. And I think it's just exciting to see pictures of the team working out because I think that gets fans kind of amped up for the season, even though we're in a very, very boring part of the offseason without a, a whole lot of news happening. San Diego Toreros, they got another commitment from Moon Reef, a 6'8 wing. He's from Toronto, really good body, athletic kid. He's a top five prospect in all of Canada, and he chose the Toreros over multiple Power Six schools, so a really, really good get for Sam Scholl in San Diego. And this roster that they've got next season is completely, completely unrecognizable from the one they put out this past season given all the changes they made with transfers and recruits. Wednesday on the show, we are doing a WCC roundup because it's been a, it's probably been about a month since I talked about the WCC and obviously a lot has happened for all the teams in terms of the transfer portal and recruiting and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to give an updated power rankings on where everyone stands and I will tell you if I agree with or disagree with the WCC coaches poll that came out late last week. We talked about recruiting on the men's side last week in terms of their 22 and 23 targets. So let's talk about a huge Gonzaga women's target because 2022 forward Grace Ben Sluton was on campus last week as part of a West Coast trip that she took uh, where she also visited Oregon and Arizona. And she did an interview for an Oregon website talking about how much she loves the West Coast and really wants to be on the West Coast, um, even though she is from Ohio. She's a 6'3", stretch big. She's ranked 13th overall in the class of 2022 by ESPN, and she's transferring for her senior season of high school to IMG Academy in Florida. Like I said, she also is really interested in Oregon and Arizona, and getting into a recruiting battle with two powerhouse Pac-12 schools is going to be quite the challenge for Lisa Fortier and her staff but there seems to be some legitimate interest on both sides here, so it's certainly going to be something to watch. It would be the highest-ranked recruit in women's program history by a pretty decent margin. Uh, the current highest-ranked prospect in Gonzaga history is actually incoming freshman this season, Bree soundbian She comes in at number 43 in the ESPN Top 100. Just the fact that more and more top, you know 50 top 75 and in this case a top 30 top 15 player Um, the fact that more and more of those types of players are even considering and coming to gonzaga on the women's side is a great great sign for the continued growth of that program under lisa fortier okay coming up we are going to give a full rundown of every gonzaga player past and present who are participating in international tournaments this summer from the FIBA U-19 World Cup tournament, which starts in July to the Summer Olympics, which also starts in July. there is going to be plenty to talk about uh, next month in July. Before we get there, today's episode being brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball seasons in full swing. The NBA and the NHL are in the conference finals now, so it's the perfect time to get in on the fun. To track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and of course all of your UFC and MMA action. For the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the championship. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Okay, there are a whole bunch of uh, summer things to watch. Let's get right to it. Chet Holmgren and Hunter Salas, they are both off to the USA training camp for the U19 World Cup. The training camp takes place from June 20th, which was yesterday, through June 22nd, which is tomorrow. So final rosters for that. Should come out tomorrow night in all likelihood. The actual FIBA U-19 World Cup event takes place the first two weeks of July in Latvia. It's a 12-man roster. There's 20-plus players that got invited to camp. Chet Holmgren, most likely a lock to make the team, so at least we'll get to watch him. Hunter Salas is going to be fighting for a roster spot. I think he's got a chance to make the roster as a... Somewhere between that ninth and 12th man, but we'll see what happens. Uh, But like I said, Chet Holmgren, most definitely going to be a lock to play on that team. So at the very least, we'll be watching him play in the U19 World Cup in July. Switching our attention to the Olympics. This is pretty cool. Rui Hachimura is being considered as an option to be Japan's flag bearer in the opening ceremony of the Olympics. And Japan is the host country, which would be an even larger honor for Rui Hachimura, which is super, super cool. Uh, At the very least, if he's not a flag bearer, he's still gonna be playing for Japan's basketball team, who's already qualified for the Olympics. Another player who may be in the Olympics is DeMontis Sabonis. He is playing for Lithuania, but Lithuania is still looking to qualify. There's a bunch of qualifying tournaments that are taking place at the end of June with a lot of European countries. Um, Canada is also included, which I'll get to in a second. But uh, Sabonis and Lithuania, they have a play-in tournament starting next Tuesday. And if they win it, they will qualify for the 2021 Summer Olympics. And they're actually going to be in the same four-team pool play region as Japan if they win this play tournament. So, if you didn't get enough Rui Hachimura versus Demontis Sabonis action at the end of the NBA season in that play-in tournament, we may very well get it again in the Olympics with Lithuania versus Japan, uh, which begins July 24th is when the uh, the actual Summer Olympics begin with basketball. Another team still looking to qualify, like I said, with a play in tournament is Canada. Andrew Nemhard is in their training camp right now, trying to make that team. Brandon Clark and Kelly Olinick also accepted invites to that camp back in May, but neither one of them actually participated in the camp, so it looks like they're not going to be part of the team. Neither is Kevin Pangos. So it's up to Andrew Nemhard to be the lone Zag Canadian representative. But based on the latest camp roster I saw, uh, he is one of 22 players in the camp fighting for just 12 spots. And there are a lot of really, really talented guards ahead of him who all have NBA experience. Guys like R.J. Barrett, Andrew Wiggins, Lou Dort, Trey Lyles, Corey Joseph, um, just to name a few of of those guys. So it kind of feels unlikely that he's going to make the team. But uh, I guess at the very least, the experience and the chance to play with established NBA players for a few days in a training camp is still going to be a really, really good and pretty cool thing for Andrew Nemhardt even if he doesn't make the official Canadian national team roster. So those are all the players that we can uh, look and watch for. Of course, on the NBA front, there's going to be Summer League as well happening in August, and we'll see you know, Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert, Joel Yai, Philip Petrushev. We'll keep an eye on them and what they do in the Summer League, plus the Olympics, plus FIBA U19. It's going to be a very, very busy July and August. There's going to be some stuff for Gonzaga fans to actually watch, which will make the offseason hopefully go a little bit faster. All right, coming up to finish the show, we are revealing the number two ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era, and it includes perhaps the most polarizing player to Gonzaga fans in school history, and I think you know who I'm talking about. First, a minute to talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. If you're not sure which flavor you want, you could try a mixed box with multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy, and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein, and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 50 percent off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Today's episode also being sponsored by Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com We are down to the final two, the best two recruiting classes of the Mark Few era. And I've heard from a lot of people who have really enjoyed these rankings and kind of taking a look back in the time machine and reminiscing on players past. So that's been really awesome to hear from you guys. It's kind of been a fun way for me as well to get through a portion of this off season. Obviously there's still a lot of off season left and this is kind of a slow time, uh, but this has been fun. So let's get to it. The final two classes. Today we are revealing the number two class of the Mark Few era and that class is the class of 2014. And the class of 2014 includes Josh Perkins, Silas Melson, DeMontis Sabonis, Brian Alberts, Byron Wesley, Eric McClellan. Let's start with Eric McClellan because he might be the most underrated, impactful player Gonzaga's ever had in terms of keeping the program afloat because without him and his heroics in the late in 2016, Gonzaga probably misses the NCAA tournament for the first time of the Mark Few era. His WCC tournament in 2016 was one of the best ones in school history. He averaged 20.3 points, 3.7 rebounds, 2.5 assists. He went 18 for 18 at the free throw line, and he turned the ball over one time. He had a complete out of body experience to help Gonzaga beat BYU and St. Mary's on consecutive nights and continued their NCAA tournament streak. He also went on to score 22 points in the win over Utah in the second round to get Gonzaga back to the Sweet 16 for the second straight season. Uh, as we remember, he actually came in from Vanderbilt. Um, he was a a winter transfer, essentially. So he sat out the first half of the 14-15 season, played in the second half of the 15 season. He was kind of a backup. Didn't play a whole lot of minutes, to be honest. Uh, But he was ready to go in that 2015-16 season, was a starter, double-figure score, um, you know, kind of a a little bit of a distributor, more of a score than a distributor, to be honest, but a good rebounder at the guard position, decent enough three-point shooter. But like I said, his leadership and his clutch abilities down the stretch of that 16 season is what he'll always, always be remembered for. He's had a pretty good um, international career as well since he's, Left Gonzaga. His best two seasons came in Mexico back in the 17 18 season, where he played 39 games, averaged 17.5 points, 5.5 rebounds, and 4 assists in Mexico. And then this past year, in uh, actually the last two years, he's played in Austria, and he's been, uh, he's averaged 13.5 points basically both years, right around 4 rebounds and 3.5 assists. So a really nice international career for Eric McClellan. And like I said, his 2016 heroics will always be remembered by Gonzaga fans. The other transfer of this class was Byron Wesley. And he was really the first graduate transfer um, that Gonzaga had and kind of started this run of graduate transfers after him. And he came in with that. He was kind of the the finishing touches on that 2015 team that made the Elite Eight. He's kind of the forgotten player, it seems like, on that roster. He he came in from uh, USC, Southern California, uh, where he was a 17 and a half point score, his junior year. So he took a, a little bit of a diminished role uh, where he, you you know he wasn't needed to score 17 and a half points, but he was still a double figure score at Gonzaga. He averaged ten and a half points and four and a half rebounds and two and a half assists his senior season at Gonzaga. And he was kind of a slashing wing that Gonzaga really hadn't had for several years, to be quite honest. Uh, Elias Harris, Kind of was that his freshman year, but he ended up being more of a a forward and um, played more on the interior than he did on the perimeter. Uh, Byron Wesley was kind of that slasher that they they wanted and needed and didn't really have for um, the, the the prior several seasons. So it was fun to have Byron Wesley. Like I said, I think he was a very, very underrated piece of that 2015 Elite Eight team. The one that finally broke through and got back to the Elite Eight for the first time since 1999. Byron Wesley also has had a pretty decent uh, international career. Two years ago, he was playing in Finland, uh, and he averaged just under 20 points a game and six and a half rebounds. This past season, he's been playing in France, uh, and he averaged 17 points, four and a half rebounds, and five assists. So really, really solid international career for Byron Wesley. Uh, He played a little bit in the G League after his time at Gonzaga as well. So um, a really underrated I feel like Byron Wesley has been forgotten in the history books of Gonzaga because they've talked about all these recent grad transfers, but they don't talk really too much about the one that kind of started it all and a really, really underrated piece of that 2015 team in Byron Wesley. All right, let's talk about Brian Alberts now because he, in probably any other era of Gonzaga basketball prior to this one, would have played a ton of minutes, but he became um, kind of a casualty of really, really good guards ahead of him. And so after three years in the program, he ended up transferring out because he kind of been recruited over a little bit. He came in in the 14-15 season, obviously, and he redshirted. And then he played kind of as the backup guard uh, in the 15-16 season. He was like the seventh, eighth man kind of player. Uh, Average 12 minutes a game. Average two and a half points and a rebound. Didn't do a whole lot. He was a good shooter, Uh, And then that 16-17 team, Nigel Williams-Goss came in. uh, Josh Perkins was a year older. Silas Melson was a year older. And, um, you know, he he was basically the 10th man at that point. And he had basically fallen behind a ton of guards, and he ended up transferring out and going to Long Beach State, a spot where he could play a lot more minutes. And that's what he did. He averaged 29 minutes each of his last two seasons at Long Beach State was a double-figure score. A much better place uh, for him to get minutes and, and buckets. And it ended up, uh, you know, catapulting him into an international career as well. He played a year in Sweden, and he's also played his last year in Iceland, where he's been a double-figure scorer uh, each of those two seasons. He's played in Iceland in the 2021 season, averaged 15.5 points and and 2.5 rebounds. So shout-out to Brian Alberts. Didn't work out as much as um, he probably would have liked at Gonzaga, but he made the right career move by transferring to a school where he can put up a lot of minutes, a lot of points, and it led to him getting an international career, which is awesome. All right, now let's get to the big three of this recruiting class, and that's Silas Melson, DeMontis Sabonis, and Josh Perkins. And we'll start with Silas Melson and Josh Perkins, because those two kind of go hand in hand given what happened to Josh Perkins in that 14-15 season. Perkins got kicked in the face, uh, what was it, three, four games into that year in Madison Square Garden. Uh, He got kicked in the face by a Georgia player, and it forced Josh Perkins to miss the season, and so he redshirted, and then it cost Silas Melson his redshirt season. The plan was for Melson to redshirt the 14-15 year, and I think one of the biggest what-ifs that you can ask about Gonzaga basketball over the last decade is what if Josh Perkins never gets kicked in the face? And he doesn't use that redshirt year, and Silas Melson does. What if Silas Melson was the fifth-year guard on the 1819 team instead of Josh Perkins? There's a whole lot of what-ifs based on that chain reaction, but um, I think that's a really, really interesting one. To, to kind of, you know, maybe I'll spend a whole episode one day in the future kind of parsing that whole thing out. But let's talk about Silas Melson. Like I said, he had to uh, kind of change his plan because he was not supposed to play in that 14 15 year, but he ended up playing because they needed another guard. And uh, he played all 31 games after he kind of. You know, decided the the coaching staff decided that he would be eligible. Averaged just around 10 minutes. Was kind of a defensive specialist. Contributed where he could offensively, but then he um, became a huge part of that 16 team and a huge part of that 17 team. Basically, as the sixth man off the bench for each of those rosters. Averaged just over you know somewhere between 20 and 25 minutes. Seven points, a couple rebounds, a couple assists. Really, really good defender. Great free throw shooter. You know, he was a really, really good three point shooter, uh, near 40% on that national championship team in 2017. And then as a senior in the 2018 team, he entered the starting lineup, uh, had a great senior season. And I think the best thing about Silas Melson is that he rarely ever made mistakes. Uh, You know, he wouldn't necessarily go off for 25 or 30 in a game, but he doesn't turn the ball over. At no point in his career did he ever average more than one turnover a game. That's impressive considering how much he had the ball in his hand. So about as solid as a four-year player as you could possibly ask for. And it would have been really, really interesting if he was the fifth-year player on that 2019 team instead of Josh Perkins, how different that team would have been um, and kind of how different Silas Melson's career would have been if he had a full year to develop uh, in 14-15 instead of uh, being thrown into the fire and kind of changing his plan around. Josh Perkins, on the other hand, he was the one who ended up getting that redshirt season. And if you guys remember, he was one of the best prospects coming out of Colorado. And in his commitment, he actually called Gonzaga University the University of Gonzaga, which, you know, kind of started his career in an inauspicious start. Josh Perkins ended up playing more games in a Gonzaga uniform than any Gonzaga player ever has. And he also faced probably more scrutiny than anybody ever has Uh, he finished his career three wins shy of Shemek Karnowski's wins record he has more assists than any Gonzaga player ever both in a career and in a single season he's top five in threes he's second in steals behind John Stockton Um, and so you know however polarizing he was to the fan base and boy was he polarizing he really was one of the most impactful players of all time and talking about that polarizing effect. I think you saw both sides of Josh Perkins in that 2017 national championship game. That first half against North Carolina, he was the best player on the court, full stop. He had double figure scoring. He was unbelievable. And then two of the first three possessions in the second half, he turned the ball over and kind of let Carolina get on a run and get themselves back into the game. Like that's the kind of stuff that drove Gonzaga fans crazy sometimes is he was unbelievable for long stretches and then he'd have these just back-breaking uh, turnovers that could drive some Gonzaga fans absolutely crazy. I love Josh Perkins. I thought he was a fantastic player, give, despite you know some of the the crazy turnovers that he had. You kind of had to take um, you know the the good with the bad with Josh Perkins. He was an unbelievable ball screen player, and you know Gonzaga's offense shifting at this point of um, their development. You know, post Kevin Pangos into the Josh Perkins era is basically all ball screens, and Josh Perkins was a magician in ball screens. Uh, I think at one point Mark Few called him the best that he's ever had in ball screens. I think Andrew Nemhard might have passed him by the end of Andrew Nemhard's career, Uh, but Josh Perkins really was uh, fantastic in ball screens. Like I said, he leads all Gonzaga players in assists, both in a season and in career. He had one of the most impactful careers in gonzaga history despite what some fans do think of him and now the real crown jewel which is Demontis sabonis sabonis came in from uh, lithuania obviously the son of arvidas sabonis former portland legend And he was a, you could tell right away in his freshman season that he was going to be an absolute monster when his minutes rose from in the teens and the low 20s up into the, you know, low 30s and mid 30s. And that's exactly what happened. His sophomore year is one of the best single seasons not just in Gonzaga history, but really uh, over the past you know 20 years or so. Here's a full list of players the last 20 years who averaged the stat line that DeMontis Sabonis averaged his sophomore year, which was 17.6 points, 11.8 rebounds, 61% shooting. Here are the only other players the last 20 years to do that. Blake Griffin, Andrew Bogut, DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, Chris Kamen, DeMontis Sabonis. Six guys, that's it, and it's a... Pretty decent list, some really unbelievable college basketball players. Some of the lines, the single-game lines that he put up that sophomore year were absolutely ridiculous. 36 points and 16 rebounds and a win over Tennessee. 35 points and 14 rebounds in that overtime comeback win at San Francisco, which create, uh, I think that was the game that the the gif, GIF, whatever you want to call it, of him uh, on the ground screaming. I think that was that San Francisco game. And then he had... Uh, 21 points and 16 rebounds in the NCAA tournament against Seton Hall. And then 19 points on 8 of 12 shooting in the NCAA tournament against Jakob Bertel and Utah and at the time it was Pertl versus Sabonis who would be the better big man and Sabonis just ate him for lunch so just absolutely dominated him and for some reason still got picked behind Jakob Hurdle in the NBA draft which is one of the biggest head-scratching decisions I've seen in NBA draft in the last several years it was very very obvious that DeMontis Sabonis was better than that guy uh, but like I said one of the best sophomore seasons Really, uh, in in the last 20 years, and now he's an NBA All Star. He's a two-time NBA All Star. He's putting up triple doubles on a nightly basis. This past year, he averaged 20 points, 12 rebounds, 6.7 assists, and he shot uh, 53 per, or 54 percent from the field. So he's doing it fairly efficiently as well. He's basically become the face of the Indiana Pacers, and he just turned 24 years old. Like he's still not even in the prime of his career and it's gonna be really really fun hopefully lithuania can qualify for the olympics and sabonis can represent his country uh, at the national olympic level as well that would be uh, pretty fun to watch this summer i think it's pretty obvious just listening to all their names why this is the number two ranked recruiting class in school history but i'll give you just a quick recap there were really no busts in this recruiting class brian alberts i guess you could say was a little bit of a bust but you know, he kind of just got recruited over to no fault of his own. But Perkins is the all-time leader assist in Gonzaga history. Silas Melson was a fantastic four-year player. Sabonis was a monster and now was an NBA all-star. And then Byron Wesley, one of the most underrated, um, the really the first grad transfer to make a huge impact for Gonzaga. And then Eric McClellan literally saved Gonzaga's NCAA tournament streak almost single-handedly in the 2016 season. Like, all of these guys had a huge impact in one way or another on Gonzaga's program. And so that is why they are the number two ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. And that, my friends, is going to do it for today's show. We'll be back on Wednesday and we're going to finish this thing off. We're going to reveal the number one recruiting class of the Mark Few era. And I don't think there's any secrets. And I'm pretty sure there aren't going to be many people who think otherwise or argue otherwise uh, with that number one class because it's the one that produced four NBA players and also the grad transfer who hit one of the biggest shots in school history so we'll talk about that on wednesday and then we'll also talk about the wcc on wednesday as well and kind of give an updated power rankings after the latest transfer portal and recruiting news for all the schools don't forget you could tune into the locked on today podcast with host peter Bukowski today they're talking about the nba playoffs and the wild wild game sevens that happen over the weekend. Hear more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please, if you will, leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo. That's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. If you want to email the show with your Gonzaga story for me to read or with any questions or ideas you'd like me to talk about in the offseason, Feel free to do so. It's locked on zags at gmail.com. Everybody, enjoy your Monday. We'll see you back here on Wednesday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.